Happy Easter. Hey, happy Easter. Come on. So thankful that you guys are here. And, and I'm also really glad that we did an 8 o'clock service because uh, we had about 60 people here earlier this morning and it would have been way too many people. So greetings to you in the house here, in the courtyard, Jesus is risen, glad you're here. And man, if you're joining us online, so thankful that you join with us on this Easter Sunday 2021. It is going to be a great day. So hey, I'm just telling you, sometimes I feel like I have a small faith. Just kind of a small faith. I don't know, do you ever feel like you have maybe like a small faith? Like you think like, you know, I don't know if my faith measures up to those people that I hear about in the Bible. Man, they have this like incredible strong faith, but sometimes I feel like I just have a small faith. Listen, if that is you and you feel like you have a small faith sometimes, you're in really good company. Because not only do I feel this way sometimes, and I think if we're honest, the majority of us can feel that we have a small faith at times, but on the very first Easter Sunday, the very first Sunday, every one of those people who are followers of Jesus had a really, really small faith. But the good news here, I think for them and for us, is that actually something changed in their story that changed everything. That they went from people of a small faith to people of a really strong faith. And I think that as we see what happened in their story and the change that took place, that not only did they move from a small to strong faith, but it can also inform us on our stories and how we live our life that we can also move from seasons of small faith to growing to be people of a strong and thriving faith. So before we get to the story of that like first Easter and that really small faith group of individuals who were following Jesus at that time, I want to leapfrog ahead in the story of God's people to find a group of people who says had a really strong and thriving faith, actually such a strong faith that it said that it was a famous faith. And we find this group of people with this famous faith in a city called Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a really important city in the Middle East. It was like really famous for both being a political center and a center of commerce and business. It was like right on the coast. It was on the road to Italy. So, I mean, it had all kinds of business. It was like a thriving community. And it had a new little church that a guy named Paul had shown up and traveled to Thessalonica to help start this little church. But... Once that church started, it had a really, really bumpy start. Really, really bumpy start. In fact, you can read about it sometime in Acts 17 because it tells the story of this church starting and immediately they faced persecution. It was really, really tough on this church. Uh, I mean, there was, there was kind of these other religious people who got really jealous of this new thing that was starting. So they came and persecuted the church. In fact, This guy, Paul, who had started the church, got chased right out of Thessalonica. Well, and as you can imagine, like, Paul had to, like, run for his life, like, out of the city. 
So in that coming season, he was really concerned for his friends that he'd left back in this new little church. They were all new believers. It's like, man, how are they doing? Did their faith like crumble and fall or, or did something else happen that allowed them to actually be people of strong faith? So listen, they didn't have like Instagram and Twitter and, you know, email accounts. So like Paul had to like listen to what was happening as people were traveling through the region and he would ask them, hey, what is the report on those people who were Christ followers um, that, that I left behind? And here was the amazing report. These people's faith did not come crashing down. They actually were becoming known for their faith. They were actually people of a famous faith. And so Paul wrote them a letter. In fact, he wrote two of them that are in our Bible today, First and Second Thessalonians. And I want you to like listen to just this little thing, this little part from Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, first chapter, verses eight through 10. Listen to how Paul talks about their strong and famous faith. He said, your faith in God has become known everywhere. I mean, isn't that awesome? It's like, man, they were so known for their faith everywhere they go. It's like, Julia, man, everywhere I go, people are talking about your faith. Alex, it's like, man, people just can't stop talking. When they meet you, they just hear about your faith. Paul says, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Famous faith. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. Now listen, Paul's going to say right here three things about their famous faith. He says, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Paul says these three things that they were known for, that somehow those three things like started to spread. Like the news of what they were believing and how they lived different because of this actually began to spread and became this famous faith. But when you think about that list of three things, like, This isn't like, you know, something that's strange or unknown to us because I think those three things are like what Christians all over the world are known for, right? I mean, there's there's like, even if you're not a Christian at this moment, you would say, okay, that sounds like the kinds of things I've heard that Christians believe, okay? Three things. Number one, Christians are those who are turning from false gods, right? It said in there, you know, that uh, they turned from idols, you say, well, we don't, we don't worship idols. I mean, this is America, for goodness sakes. Are you kidding me? Like, we are the land and a culture of idolatry. I mean, we just chase after whatever it is, whether it's money or it's sex or it's power or prestige or more Instagram likes or whatever. I mean, we, have, we are a nation that is really filled with all kinds of idols. Well, it says that these people, like, left their idols behind They turned from false gods, right? And it's like, okay, I guess that's what Christians do. And then it says why they did that. It says to serve the living and true God. 
And again, it's like, all right, I suppose that is, that's what Christians do. They believe that God's alive, he's real, and that he's true, that like what he says in the Bible is, is actually accurate, it's true. And then it says that they're you know, doing this to wait for Jesus' return. And you say, okay, yeah, I think that's what I know about Christians. They turn away from false gods to serve this living and true God, and that they, you know, then they're now waiting for Christ's return because, you know, believers think that Jesus is coming back again. So these three things, none of them are like, okay, that, that's no big surprise. What made this so powerful that they became people of this strong and famous faith? I believe that the key here is the middle of those three points, when it says that they believed in a God who was living and true. Listen, when you begin to really think and say, do I really believe that Jesus is alive? That changes everything. Because like, you might think like, well, you know, Jesus was like a good teacher. You know, he was a prophet, you know, kind of like Muhammad or someone that like, you know, lived a good life and said some good things. And he's just one of those like religious guys with a lot of good things to say. That's one thing. But when you think that like Good Friday actually happened, Jesus was nailed to a cross, died and was buried, and that he's no longer dead. Like, that is a game changer. Like, they literally believed that he is the living God. Not just a God, but he is a living God, and he's living and he's true. Like, his, his resurrection confirmed everything that he'd ever said. So when Jesus said that I am the son of God, that I am the light of the world, that I'm the one that came to rescue humanity from sin and from brokenness and to actually bring life to those who are dead. Oh my goodness. He is the God who is living and true. Well, no wonder then we would like leave behind all other gods. Every other thing that is less than that, I wanna follow after him. If he's living and true, it's a game changer. And no wonder we would believe that like we're waiting for his return because listen, if he like showed up back from the dead, if he did that once on that first Easter, then guess what? Then I believe that he can show back up again, just like he said he would. Not only someday in the future, maybe beyond our lifetimes, is he gonna show back up again the way he promised. But you know what? If he showed up back from the dead, he can show back up into my story and bring healing and redemption. So these people, they believed that Jesus was living and true. And it changed everything in their story. They became people not of small faith, even in the midst of persecution. They became people of strong faith and even famous faith. Unlike Jesus' followers on that first Easter. I want you to think about this. On that first Easter, you know, listen, if you read the Gospels, if you're someone who like reads the Bible, you know that Jesus over and over again had told his followers, guess what, guys? I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to die. And I'm coming back. Three days, 
Okay, and he tells them like over and over. Some of the gospels, it's like this repeated thing. Jesus keeps telling them, hey, you listening? I'm gonna die, but I'm coming back. Listen, I think if we put ourselves into those place of those first followers of Jesus, we'd be like, let's go do a camp out at the grave. You know, like, this is like uh, this party atmosphere. We're so excited because he's coming back. We can't wait. You know, it's like, listen, in our culture, when a big movie is coming out, you know what people do? They go and they camp out on the street waiting for a dumb movie to open. And here's Jesus, this guy that they loved and had followed for these three years of his ministry, had said, I'm dying, but I'm coming back. I mean, like, okay, you know, like we're doing the weenie roast. We're like, we got our tents out. We're camping. We're like, we're just waiting. That stone is somehow getting, he's coming back. Do you think that's what Jesus' followers were doing? No. They were waiting, but they were not waiting with this eager anticipation for Jesus' return. They were waiting, check this out, in dread. They were waiting in fear that the same Roman soldiers who had nailed Jesus to the cross were coming to nail them. They were living in just fear, all huddled up. There was no eager anticipation. They were people of really small faith in this moment. One of my favorite stories from that very first Easter is found in the 24th chapter of Luke. And it's about these two guys who are on a walk. They just left Jerusalem where all of these things had taken place. You know, where Jesus on Good Friday had been nailed to the cross, died, put in the grave. And, and so now it is on the third day, it's on that first Easter Sunday, but they had no idea that Jesus was alive. They had no idea. So they're all bummed out about everything that's happened, and they go on this walk from Jerusalem toward this village called Emmaus. And so we pick up their story in Luke 24, starting in verse 13. And it says this, it says, About these guys, it says that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking into the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles. So they had at least a few hours that they were like trudging along, probably not walking real quick, probably taking about four or five hours because they were bummed out, right? So headed from Jerusalem to Emmaus, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. All the sadness, about the cross, the blood, all everything, the death of their friend. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. So, God like somehow like just blinds their eyes so that they do not recognize that it's actually Jesus himself walking with them on the road to Emmaus. Like this is the best episode ever of Undercover Boss. (laughs) And like Jesus, he's the boss. And like comes like somehow disguised by God. They don't know it's Jesus. And yet 
so what happens is in this story as we continue reading, like from Luke 24, we find that they start telling Jesus about everything that had happened to him, right? Oh, man, we, man, this guy Jesus, man, we loved him, we followed him, but you know what, it was terrible because the religious leaders, they like convinced the Romans to arrest him, they, they put him up on all these false charges and he was convicted. And Pilate had him crucified and our friend died and was put in the grave and so... We don't know what we're going to do because our story is kind of, feels like it's ended here. They were so sad. In fact, it was in verse 17 that Jesus asked them, what, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? It says they stopped short, saddened, sadness written across their faces. They were just broken hearted as they tell this story and repeat this to Jesus about what happened to Jesus. They were so sad. In fact, if we go down to verse 21, it, it, it even says how hopeless they had become. They said this, they said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Oh, do you hear the hopelessness in their words? We had hoped, we had hoped that he was the real deal. We thought he was. I mean, he had done great science. He, he spoke things that we had never heard before that just came alive in our, in our stories. We, we were like were different when we were with him. So we had hoped that he was the true God. But he's not living anymore. He's dead. And so this Jesus who we thought had come to rescue us, it's like now he's in the grave and we're at a loss. We're so sad. We're so hopeless. And so then as the story goes on, it says that Jesus, kind of like, they didn't know it was Jesus, but he starts talking to them and starts unpacking the truths that were found in Scripture throughout the Old Testament, where Jesus kind of gives them this master class on why the Messiah had to suffer, why he had to die. But guess what, guys? He's coming back again. But man, were they in this hopeless position. And here's what had happened with them. It was Sunday. It was that first Easter Sunday, but they were stuck on Friday. It was Sunday, but they were stuck on Friday. All those images of the cross, the, the blood, the death, the pain that was now like just, just radiating through their lives. They were so stuck because of their pain and everything that had happened on Good Friday that they couldn't get out of that place of being stuck. There was no strong faith here, no famous faith. They were a people of, at that moment, a very small faith. And if it could get even worse, it kind of does in the story. Because as they continue to talk to Jesus, they even share with him like this crazy report. This crazy report from this morning. They say, and what's even weirder is that some of the followers of Jesus that we're like, we hang out with, 
they actually went to the grave and found that it was empty. And then they claimed that there was these angels, these angels that told them that Jesus is no longer dead, but he's alive. Like, can you believe that? Because we can't. I mean, angels had showed up and talked to their friends. They were so stuck in their pain. They were so stuck in their story, in their narrative, that even though angels had showed up to their friends and said Jesus was alive, couldn't hear it. They were stuck on Friday, even though it was now Easter Sunday. Many of us, I believe, can understand their small faith. They can, we can understand how easy it is to get stuck on Fridays, on those days where we go through, there's, there's just brokenness, there's just pain. In fact, we don't have to think back very far, like how about to 2020, right? And realize we are a people who have all kinds of reason to get stuck where we've been because we've gone through all kinds of different pain, especially in this past year, especially like during 2020, it's global pandemic and COVID. I mean, by now, it's like, I think everyone in America, I think probably knows people who have either died or have been hospitalized and been in grave critical danger. Kelly and I know numbers of people who have lost their lives. Listen, we all could say we've been in a place where we're stuck, where it feels like our faith somehow got stranded on that Friday and we're stuck there in our pain and haven't been able to move on. I think all of us can relate to that. I certainly can. But you know, even when we get to those places where we're just feeling stuck and our faith feels so small, we know that there's other people these really like unusual people that even when they have gone through really, really trying times, I mean terrible times, that somehow their faith didn't shrink. Somehow they were able to thrive even in the midst of terrible things, wars, I mean false imprisonments, even abuse and torture and just terrible, terrible things, that there are people who have come through that with their faith intact, with a strong and thriving, we could even say, a famous faith. When I was thinking about that, one of the people that came to mind who have had that kind of famous faith, it may surprise you to hear who came to my mind, was a man named Nelson Mandela. Now, you may know that, uh, that Nelson Mandela became the first black president in the nation of South Africa, which was an amazing thing because this was a country that was divided along race lines. They had something called apartheid, which is like racism on steroids. It was terrible. And that is the condition in which Nelson Mandela grew up. And it was just this completely backwards season of life that he was growing up in. And as this black man growing up, he knew this was wrong, it was unjust, and he was going to fight against it. 
But the more he fought, the more the government sought to bring him down to the point where they imprisoned him. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. I mean, can you imagine? The guy that was going to become president of the nation spent 27 years in prison, and not just in prison, but especially those many first years were horrible on him. He had to actually do hard labor. Like every day his job was to dig rocks for year after year after year. I mean, what would that do to your faith? What would that do to just your psyche, like just your well-being? But somehow Nelson Mandela did not cave in to the pain and all of that that was going on in his story, as terrible and as broken as it was. And here's the beautiful thing that we know about his story and his life, and it comes out four years after he was freed from prison. And you know what? Just like I'm doing right now, he was the speaker at an Easter Sunday morning service four years after he gets out of prison. And I want you to read along with me, and you'll see it on on the screen. I want you to read what Nelson Mandela spoke on that Easter Sunday, 1994. He says, the good news born by our risen Messiah, who chose not one race, who chose not one country, who chose not one language, who chose not one tribe, who chose all of humankind. Oh, he's got to pause there and say, amen. Preach it, Nelson. We serve a God who is not like somehow gives like tribal benefits to one group over another. Whether it doesn't matter language, skin color, ethnicity, doesn't matter gender. It, you know what? God came for all humanity. This risen Messiah who he's talking about here, he is the God for all of humanity. But then he goes on, and I love these words. He says, each Easter marks the rebirth of our faith. It marks the victory of our risen Savior over the torture of the cross and the grave. Listen, during his many years of hardship and persecution that came against Nelson Mandela, he never lost his faith. Because, and I believe that the reason why is because it's embedded in his words here. He believed in the risen Messiah. He believed in Easter. He believed that Jesus was not dead, but that he was alive. And if Jesus is alive, it changes everything. Everything. Because if he's alive, then he's true. And if he's true, I can follow after him even during the darkest and hardest of days. So here's the question for you and for me. How do we get beyond our Fridays? How do we move somehow out of being stuck on Friday and get to Easter Sunday? How do we move beyond our pain and hardship, no matter how difficult, no matter how trying, I believe that there is a 
way. I'm convinced that how this happens, just as we heard in the words of Nelson Mandela, has everything to do with Easter. Do you remember what those people of famous faith in Thessalonica were known for? They had turned from false gods to serve the God who is living and true. And now they were waiting for Jesus to show back up in their stories. These were people who had Easter in their hearts. They believed Jesus is alive. Unlike those guys that were stuck on this road, trudging along with sadness and brokenness and hopelessness, saying what we had hoped for, all in the past tense. These are people, Nelson Mandela and the people of Thessalonica, and fortunately, soon to be these guys on the road were people whose stories were radically changed because Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. And these two guys on the road, their story perfectly illustrates how this happens. Because as the story goes on in Luke 24, they get to Emmaus. And Jesus kind of like, fakes like he's gonna keep going. And the guy's like, hey, it's late. Why don't you just come and have a meal with us? Come and hang out. Jesus said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll eat with you. And when they get around the table, it says Jesus takes the bread and he blesses the bread. And it says that as he breaks the bread, God opens their eyes and they see who it is who is alive and right in front of them. And in an instant, their stories are changed. They go from this place of great sadness, being stuck on Friday. They go from being so overwhelmed with sadness to this place of great joy. In fact, they turn to each other and say, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when we were listening to Jesus' words? It's like, bro, we miss, how did we miss this? They went from sadness to great joy. They went from hopelessness to the hope, flooding their souls, flooding their stories once again. Literally in this instant, their lives were turned around. Like literally turned around because they said, we're not gonna go on any further. In fact, we're going back the way we came. And so they got up from the table and returned to Jerusalem. Literally, their whole lives were turned around when they realized Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Easter changes I believe that it doesn't just change for some people. I believe that that change can happen within each one who by the power of the Holy Spirit is able to recognize that just like God opened those two men's eyes and they were able to see clearly for the first time that day, 
I believe that there's people here today that need your eyes open to realize, to recognize the revelation that Jesus is both living and he's true. I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's gonna open up some eyes today. I believe, like Nelson Mandela said, that every Easter marks the rebirth of our faith. I believe that there are people today who this Easter, 2021, that there is going to be a rebirth of faith in people's lives today. People here, people online, I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving to open eyes right now. So Jesus, we come to you. And can we be bold enough to say, Jesus, if you're living and if you're true, open my eyes. Open my eyes, open my eyes. Because I wanna see. I want to see. And if that's your story, if you're someone that right now you are seeing for the very first time with clarity that I don't have to be stuck on Friday, I can move into my tomorrows on this Easter Sunday because I am seeing, wow, Jesus really did rise. And because he rose, I can put my confidence in the fact that he is true, that he's everything that he claimed to be the living word of God, the son of God who came to save me, to rescue me from my sin. And if that's you today, how do I, how do I respond to that? Simply by saying yes to Jesus. We say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are alive, that you are not dead. I believe you're alive, yes. And also, We say yes to that you are the true God. There is none above you. There is none above you. And we say yes, Jesus, with your help, I'm gonna turn from all other gods, everything else that I've been chasing after in my life to serve you alone. And if that's you, if that's your yes, I would love right now for you to just say yes, And would you just raise your hand if that's you and say, yes, I am saying yes to Jesus today. Praise the Lord. All of you guys, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe that as you say yes to him, that you know what's happening? That there is a reforming, a rebirth of hope and moving out of sadness and stuckness into that place of new life in Jesus. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be stuck on our Fridays, that you came to free us, to redeem us. In fact, I just wanna pray for all of us now and say, Lord, you know where we're stuck. You know the Fridays that we've walked through because it feels like we've walked through about 365 days of Fridays over this past year. And so any place, Lord, where my friends today are still feeling stuck, are still feeling just gripped by sadness, by hopelessness. God, I just breathe this word of life into them. Lord, that you are alive and you're true. And God, I pray that that 
that would resonate, radiate in their lives and in their stories. That there would be a remove, that, that sadness must flee. That hopelessness must be gone. Because if you're alive and if you're true, it changes everything. And now I can live as someone with eager anticipation for your arrival back in my story. Not just someday when he's gonna come back in the sky, but you are gonna come back and show up in my story. So God, I pray for renewed hope and joy on this Easter Sunday, 2021. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, and if you're here present with us today, man, I've got some of my good friends up here that right at the end of service, right, right when we're done in a few moments, before you head to the doors and get your really sweet treats, because we got Easter donuts for you, little parting, little sweetness on your way out the door. Before you do that, I would love it if you need prayer because of some place where you're stuck on a Friday, Right? And you just need to agree with someone. Say, hey, would you pray for me? Now, I've got some of my dear friends up here to pray with you. And if you're someone who has said yes to Jesus, if you're someone who has said yes to him, what I invite you to do is come and find one of these great people right here and say, today, I said yes to Jesus. Today, Easter Sunday, 2021, marks the rebirth of my faith and my hope in Jesus. Would you do that? And listen, if you're online, we've got on our website something that I believe is going to be a really good next step for you. It's kind of our yes page. You just go to our website, sm4.org slash yes. And there you're going to find what it means to say yes to Jesus. And it's going to just help show you some scripture and things that you're going to be able to uh, continue to say yes to him. How do I do that? You're going to be able to see that on there. And guess what? If you have a prayer need, just go to our contact page on our website. Let us know how we can be praying for you and believing for you because we are so grateful, not only for those in Santa Maria that call uh, this church home, but for all those, whether no matter how far away you are. So, so glad you're here with us. And one other thing before we head out the door, next week, we're starting a new series. It's three Sundays and it's a series called When I Can't Take It Anymore. How we can move to get unstuck from these hard seasons of life. We're actually gonna be going back to look at the story of what Paul did with those Thessalonians when he wrote to them. These people of great faith, but man, Paul was at the end of his rope. And we're gonna see uh, next Sunday where Paul was and then how he moved to get unstuck. I think it's gonna be life for you and for me as we go through these three weeks together. So I hope you come back next Sunday and join us on this three-part series. It's gonna be great. Church, you're loved. Have a great Easter. We'll see you again next Sunday.